Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 45 of Daffy's Roundtable. My guest for this episode is Connor of Westgate Exotics, and we're going to talk about inverts or bugs or creepy crawlies or whatever you want to call them. Join us to learn all about jumping spiders and millipedes and centipedes and isopods and all other kinds of awesome inverts. I've actually been lucky enough to have the chance to meet Connor at several expos now, and his booth is always one of the first places I make a stop at because he always has the coolest things to show me. And he did exactly that during this episode. So I'm super excited for you all to hear this. Also, this episode is going to be released February 25th, meaning the Reptile Expo and the first Plant Expo is tomorrow, Sunday, February 26th at the International Center in Mississauga. If you're in the area and if you're able to come join us, come hang out. Uh, these expos are always so much fun. You know, come check out some cool animals. Come say what's up and maybe buy some isopods or fossils from Westgate Exotics. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the expo is tomorrow, February 26th, at the International Center in Mississauga. If you're in the area, come down. It's going to be a lot of fun. Before we get into this conversation, allow me to, as always, thank Exoterra for sponsoring this podcast and making this episode possible. Exoterra makes quality products for our pet reptiles to make them feel at home. Okay, let's get into this week's conversation with Connor, of Westgate Exotics. Connor, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Thank you very much for coming on. Of course, man, of course. I, uh, I'm i good, I'm good, I'm glad to be on. Um, I haven't really done this kind of stuff. Uh, video format is not something I normally do. I'm getting into it a little bit on Instagram, but very limited in reels and that sort of thing. Before we get into anything, I have a funny question for you. What do you call the things you keep what do i call the things i keep yeah i always refer to them as bugs you do call them bugs i call them bugs yeah okay. <laughs> i keep arachnids i keep insects i keep myriapods isopods uh all sorts of feeders so bugs okay. is yeah yeah the, the kind of all the all terms i was wondering before before the episode i was i was saying i was like is it like insulting to call them bugs <laughs> is there like a more more appropriate term for <laughs> Maybe, them but, uh, i don't know no no bugs bugs is good bugs is is um it's funny because people are always like oh i'm so scared of bugs so it's like anyway enough of that the, the bug talk let's actually get into the bug talk um connor how did you get started in the hobby how did you first start keeping uh i probably when i was 13 14 I wanted a reptile. Uh, I was actually supposed to get a tarantula, okay. but I lived, my dad lived in Toronto at the time and we weren't able to get one in Toronto because different bylaws. So I ended up getting a bearded dragon and then not long after a boa constrictor. Nice. And that, yeah, that was when I was like 14. And then eventually a friend of mine had another bearded dragon that was a male mine was a female so he didn't he couldn't keep it anymore so i kept it i looked into breeding it i bred her twice had some babies like most reptile people either a leopard gecko or or a bearded dragon bred them had babies um gave them to some people sold them to some people and ultimately really liked that really really enjoyed keeping them breeding them uh and and selling them so my my whole thing has always been as a seller not just not just a keeper 
Um, so as you can see by my setups, they're not meant to be beautiful. They're meant to be functional. Right. Breeding setups. Yeah. Yeah. I, I keep it simple. I used to, when I kept a lot of reptiles, I used to get all the products, all the plants, everything. And with bugs, I found it was, it more got in the way than anything else. So I keep mine very simple. I have a couple that are set up nice. And if you want to keep something nice, you can, but for breeding purposes, it's, it's more for you than for them. Whereas some reptiles, it's more for them than for you, especially dart frog stuff like that. Yeah, it's like a display for, for or yeah, with, with dart frogs, it's more for them. But yeah. sometimes like if you set up a nice bug, bugarium or whatever, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. nice display for, for the house. But um, cool. So when did you transition from reptiles to bugs? <laughs> Not that long ago. So that was the beginning. Um, okay. And then when I was a late teen, I moved to BC. I had maybe five or six reptiles before I left. Um, I kept one or two with a friend and then I, I, I gave or sold the other ones uh, and then tried some things out there. And then there was an internship open at Reptilia back in Ontario. Nice. So I came back. I plan on doing it for a couple months while working somewhere else. Um, and then the guy who ran the store um, said, Hey, you, when you volunteer out here, you actually work. Do you want to work in the store? So I ended up stopping the internship just to work in the store. So I was working at Reptilia. And then as people um, left, I was the senior staff member. I worked there, I think, for three or four years. So I just became the guy who ordered everything. Um, so I would order all the Zoomed stock, the Exoterra stock, the Rapashi stock, that kind of stuff. So started working there, started getting more and more reptiles. As I had access to like import lists, stuff like that. I really was in love with geckos and I had a, a, probably 40 species groups, like 40 different species of geckos. Like I was just geckos, geckos, geckos. But I was finding that every single day I was misting them. I was feeding Rapashi. I was feeding different insects. I had ones that like it cool. I had ones that like it warm. UV lights, not UV lights, calcium, egg laying that stick to the glass, some that need it underground, some that just lay it on the sand. So it was just, it, it became more work than it was fun. So right. I, after a bit, I dissolved that. And then I had a couple inverts that I was still like feeders and stuff that I was still keeping going. A couple geckos um, and tortoises. I still have my tortoises that, um, that I was keeping going. And I was, I was trying to figure out what can I do that I enjoy it and I can breed it as like a side project uh, and it's not taking all my time. And I thought about snakes. I thought about different things, but um, I ended up getting a tarantula for my girlfriend, um, Alicia Deatere. And I was trying to get a male uh, P. metallica because we had a, she bought a P. metallica almost eight years ago. And it's, it's, it was an adult. This is like three years ago. And, and I was like, well, maybe I'll get her a tarantula. That would be cool. And then I was like, maybe I'll get her a male. Maybe I could breed tarantulas. And I didn't know four years ago, I, I knew the, the basics, but I didn't know that much about breeding them. So I just started watching all these things just kind of in secret. Cause I wanted the tarantula to be a surprise. And I just realized that it was cool. And 
it was from Tarantula Canada, and uh, they also had isopods on their list. And this, yeah, this was three years ago. So they had two armadillidium species that I was kind of interested in. And when I got the armadillidium, I got the tarantula. It was really cool. I liked it. I started getting more tarantulas, but what really got me going was um, the isopods. They were just, they were breeding every week. They were, they seemed really easy care. So I got a few more and I got a few more and then I started importing them because I was trying to figure out, well, how can I get more? So I was talking to people in Europe and got hooked up with different importers, including um, Northern Lights Imports, Ashley Dazan. So I was getting, getting isopods through then. And then I realized, especially during COVID, that a lot of uh, places were having a hard time getting inverts. And then a lot of the people that had inverts, it was, it was tarantulas, some isopods, and that was really it, some scorpions. So I started looking into, because when I had geckos, I was really into the, the oddball, the weird geckos I had. Uh, a lot of the Madagascar geckos that you don't see very often. I had a, a lot of the Australian geckos that, that you don't see very often. And so I was just trying to figure out what can I, what cool stuff can I get? And Canada, you're allowed to have any, Ontario at least, you're allowed to have any reptile. It's just all bylaws. So like in Ontario, you can have any reptile, but maybe in Toronto, you can only have these. Maybe in uh, some small town, you can have anything. In Ottawa, you can't have anything. <laughs> yeah, in Ottawa, is, is that in right? The, the bylaw—it's not—it's not exactly anything, but the bylaws are horrible down here. I know I've uh, sold to a pet store there. I'm like, well, I can sell you vinegaroons and whip scorpions, right? They're like, not even that. Not even yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. no. So, uh, it's I think three. I suppose they're safe. Isopods were good. Three species of tarantulas are legal, and that's it, I believe. Yeah. And one species of mantis, maybe something like that. Okay. Yeah. So. So yeah, I was learning more and more, and and our inverts in Canada are governed by the CFIA, which is um, Canadian Food Inspection Agency, and their primary goal is not, hey, what what does the hobby like? What's 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 safe? Not safe? What's endangered? What's not endangered? They're purely worried about what's going to eat our crops, what's going to um, destroy our environment. Like they're really, they really are worried about pests, and the way that they govern is if it eats plants in general and it's an insect it's not allowed so arachnids are allowed centipedes are allowed uh native species are allowed and that also depends a little bit province to province but like here we can't have stick bugs we can't have beetles we can't have exotic ants anything anything that's an insect that eats plants uh we can't really have and millipedes we can't really have either and the, the primary reason is because they're worried that it's going to be a problem for our crops it's going to be a problem in bc it's going to be a problem in the in in the areas in ontario where we grow a lot of fruits and veg so so i worked around that figured out stuff that's really interesting started importing and i think people really like the stuff i was importing because more and more stores started reaching out i did more shows i kept selling out of stuff so i just I just kept bringing stuff in. I try and do at least 75% captive bread. So that is, that is really, really cool. Okay. So a couple, couple of follow-up questions there. You said beetles aren't allowed. Is that Ontario wide or is that just your bylaw in your this area? Is all, no, this is all nationwide. This is all nationwide CFIA. We can have native beetles. We can have native millipedes. We can have native stick bugs. Uh, we can have native grasshoppers. Um, and then sometimes species that are already here and have been here a long time, we're allowed to keep. 
So certain snails were allowed to have, certain snails were not allowed to have. But the beetles that everyone likes in Europe and Japan, where they're the most popular, are not allowed here. Interesting. So large, large beetles, um, like stag beetles, rhinoceros beetles, fruit beetles. If it's not native here, then we can't legally keep it. So, But there are some native ones? There are some native ones. Yeah, we have native stag beetles. We have at least three in Ontario, I think four. They're all small. Um, we very rarely have Lucanus elaphus show up in far south Ontario, like around Windsor. And they're actually a proper stag beetle. They really have horns. And then we have a couple fruit beetles that are actually pretty. We have a couple fruit beetles that are actually green or blue. Um, and then we have the invasive Japanese beetle, but I don't think anyone keeps them. And I'm not sure if we're legally able to keep them because they are an invasive species. Okay. They're one of the few that actually is. And they didn't come here from the pet trade. They came here because of they just from crops, from from just international trade. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot here. What do you think of all of these uh, or, or of the CFIA's way of putting out these laws or um, pr like the protections? Do you think it makes sense? It it's it makes sense in the sense that they want to keep stuff safe but it doesn't make sense in the sense that it's a blanket ban right it's, it's like it's like banning all medication it does it, like there's there's some stuff that's not safe there's some stuff that is um and banning it all if if inverts were governed by a different body like ministry of natural resources or something like that we might see some more there's also people working very hard like um zach at canada ant colony and there's another guy um in bc that's working hard um to get things legal you can submit paperwork to the cfia um, and they primarily want to see studies that show that they're not a problem and recently, we've got discoids legalized, which we never had a feeder roach legal. Um, depending on which CFIA agent you ask, uh, Suriname roaches are legal, but they're not a very good feeder. Discoids are a very good feeder. So, like, even in Canada, like, U.S. keepers, they have dubia roaches. They're not a problem. They don't get out. They're, they're not invading homes um, or eating crops. But here, because there's a blanket ban, we don't even have dubia roaches. Dubia but discoid roaches, roaches luckily are a good fit and i have some right here that i'm breeding up um they came from zach they're legal stock so uh, i'm excited to uh to get those in the market more because a lot of people don't know that yet it's not like there's big bulletins that go out saying hey these are now legal and um i think even feeder companies aren't don't really know the status yet i i, I don't think so either will you have some available at the next expo yes i will Okay, yep. save, save me some. <laughs> I will, I will, I will. Um, um, cool. Okay, so wait, so I'm, I'm, I'm just going to touch on that real quick as well. You said Surinams aren't as good a feeder as a discoid roach. In what terms? Well, they can climb, for one. Okay. Uh, they're small, for another. They're parthenogenetic, which means they're all female and they clone themselves. So if one gets out and lives in your tank, you're going to have a bunch. Um, they're not a house problem. But they are a greenhouse problem, which means that they, they could eat your plant's roots. They could eat your plant's leaves if left unchecked. So like tanks like yours in the background there, um, they could be a problem. Uh, if fed one by one, crushed head like I do with inverts, they're not a problem. Now that I have discoid roaches, I don't really anyway. And then I, I also have fed bread, mealworms, superworms, 
Um, for picky eaters, I'll still pick up crickets here and there for certain jumping spiders and stuff like that. But I breed besides a very small fraction of my imports, everything behind me, I feed fully from stuff I breed. I, I don't buy feeders ever. Um, it's partly a cross-contamination thing. It's partly a cost-effective thing. It's partly just because I like offer. Like if you see my lists ever, I have a lot of feeders on the list. I'm constantly breeding fruit flies, bean beetles, mealworms, um, everything, everything I can breed. Um, I was even looking into aquatic stuff. I actually, before I ever met you, I saw your video breeding dwarf uh, crayfish because yeah. I wanted to get in some more aquatic stuff. Um, and I decided until I move, I'm not going to set up a bunch of aquariums here, but I really want to get into geosasarma crabs and different dwarf crayfish. I think that those are an interesting part of the market. Which which crabs? Geosasarma. They're a fully freshwater crab. They're really beautiful. They're coming in all different colors. I'll send you a link later. Yeah, um, and they're fully fully freshwater. So most crabs, if they're freshwater or terrestrial, they still need the ocean to breed. These guys are fully freshwater. They have their babies directly egg to crab lit. They don't have a larva stage. Okay, cool. And they they just breed in the tank. There's ones with red eyes. There's one with red carapace, purple. They're all these colors. They're about this big. They're a perfect size. They can't climb glass. They are omnivores, room temperature. They're really just like there are an easy crab because a lot of crabs that come in hermit crabs, fiddler crabs, all these crabs are they're 100 from the wild. Tons of them die when they come here, um, and they're just not they're not very sustainable, and they tend not to live very long in captivity because they're not truly terrestrial crabs. They're they're terrestrial crabs with a pelagic, a marine stage. Okay, so another thing you mentioned as we were speaking is that you started importing. Um, the cooler or the rare isopods. Yeah. Um, what was the process of figuring out that, oh, I can import and sort of where did you, how did you source these isopods that, for, that were outside of Canada? I talked to other breeders. I saw what they did um, to import them. And then I talked to, for stuff that's for arachnids, for, for tarantulas, jumping spiders, I've, I'll, I'll import them myself a lot um, from from the US or wherever. Um, I have a, a guy who does a service for for driving stuff across the border with paperwork and everything um, for the US. And then of course, Ashley from, uh, from Northern Lights helps me with Europe. Um, and I work because I do large volumes, I work with her to figure out a way to make it so I can still sell them. With isopods, I don't import to sell. I import to breed fully. With all the others, all the other stuff, arachnids, centipedes. That's mostly just what I can import is 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 arachnids, centipedes. I have imported some millipedes. It was it was a process. Um, I had help with Zach um, from Canada Ant Colony with that. Um, but most arachnids and centipedes, I from Europe came from Ashley, and then from the states, I either do it myself or use the drive across program. And then isopods, I always used somebody who's experienced because they know how to do the paperwork because isopods are kind of a new thing in Canada, whereas arachnids are pretty much, they go straight across. Um, I can talk more in depth about it. I, no, I, no, that's good. That's yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm sort of asking. I Okay, so... Um... So, okay, so we, we, from from what you just said and from speaking to you at Expos, 
you do do a lot of, or it seems that you do a lot of imports um, for stocks or just to resell. Yeah. So I support I breed fully myself. Uh, some tarantulas and arachnids I bring in to breed myself, like a lot of jumping spiders I breed myself. Okay. My jumping spider is about 60-40 uh, um, import versus um, bred myself. And then a lot of my jumping spiders are captive bred. Um, and then there's some stuff that doesn't really come in captive bred very often. So my Frynus from Florida, um, which are a uh, whip scorpion, right. they come in wild caught. And then my... Um, Mastigoproctus come in from Texas. They're also wild caught. Uh, I have bred both um, with less success with the Mastigoproctus there, right here. The star means she's gravid. Um, so they're they're a whole process to breed, which is why they're not often bred. Um, they molt over the winter. They live in Arizona, Texas, where it's warm, it's hot, but it, there's still a cold winter. So they live throughout all year they go breed in the fall the female will go under a rock dig a big hole and over the winter she molts and then has an egg pouch and she just kind of sits all winter under there with her egg pouch and then early early spring the babies hatch go on her back and then she emerges from the burrow so to replicate that in captivity it's it's lowering the temperatures not super low but like 15 degrees celsius okay. um having a deep area that they can go and make sure it's not too wet not too cold um and they only you only get one shot at it so mine laid eggs i i paired two one laid eggs one molted without laying eggs and everything was going good her burrow collapsed she came out and she ripped her egg sack on her water dish wow. so so she, they just didn't end up hatching but they were fertile like there was everything was going well so i'd have to wait a whole other year to try to try it again and this, the, 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 so wait, hold on. So what, what did you call them? What are these called? Mastigoproctus. Uh, sorry, vinegaroons. Okay. Giant so these vinegaroons. are the, okay. I, that's yeah. what I thought. I thought it was. Yeah. I was just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so the, the adult pair are fine. Yeah. So they, okay, they, so just, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of misinformation about them. A lot of people say they live three years. They live well over five years. Um, okay. because they have such a slow breeding process, they, 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 um, they only have babies once a year. And I think it's like 20 to 40 babies is normal. Um, I've thought about getting into the Asian species. They're just not as big and they're a little more flighty. These guys are very big and slow because the Asian species are not dependent on a, a breeding cycle. They can, you just pair them anytime they breed anytime. Do they look um, the same? They look the same. They're just smaller, um, slightly different, but the, like if you saw a young one of both, you wouldn't be able to tell them apart. They're, they, they all look, very very similar like i said most people import tarantulas because there's a big tarantula market and um increasingly in the last few years uh, as they became legal and i'm not sure who who got it done or the process but it, it must have been less than 10 years ago maybe five or seven oh. years ago um our uh, isopods exotic isopod species became legal to import into canada um and before that, it was just whatever was here, you were able to legally keep. And I did keep some species that were around, Porcelio scaber and stuff like that. And on a side tangent, we have very few native isopods. Most of the isopods that we have around Ottawa, around Toronto, these are isopods that came over like 50 to 150 years ago from Europe. 
like Porcelio Scaber and uh, Armadillidium vulgare, the, the roll-up ones and the flat ones that are kind of rough looking, yeah. those are both from Europe. They both came in plants like in the 1800s and the 1900s. Like they, they, they're not native here. There's like six or seven common species you find and not one of them is, is native to Ontario. We have a couple very small native species, but for the most part, the isopods you see outside are ones that came from Europe. And I shouldn't say they're invasive, they're introduced. And the, the real difference there is, is it causing a problem in the environment or is it just coexisting with the existing environment? Kind of like earthworms. Earthworms also came from Europe around 100, 200 years ago. They're so prolific, you can go to the middle of a national park, dig in the earth and find earthworms. And as far as we can tell, they haven't destroyed our ecosystem where we had no earthworms in Ontario um, prior to, to Europeans coming here. Um, but as far as stuff I want to try and import, I try and import centipedes. They don't sell super well, but I know how to keep them well so that I can kind of bring in 10, sell them over the course of the year. Cause it's hard to find non wild caught centipedes. Like I try and bring in um, not just the Asian wild caught stuff. Like I've got captive bred, you saw the the rainbow colored ones, captive bread, Asian jewels, captive bread, um, or at least farm bread, uh, Galapagoensis and Giganteus, like interesting species. And then the Mastigoproctus, um, which are the vinegaroons. I try and bring in whip scorpions. Jumping spiders are huge right now. Um, so yeah, I they are. Bring in, yeah, they're they're. I get more so messages. Popular. I get more messages for jumping spiders than everything else combined. And um, I've got some captive bred ones right now. I've got some captive bred Regius, some captive bred Hylus diardi. Um, but I bring in farm bred ones. I bring in captive bred ones, and I bring in wild caught ones. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So I try, like I said, I try and do every number. Like if each individual animal is an individual animal, I try and do at least seventy-five percent captive bred. Right. So does that mean you're breeding the centipedes as well? Trying to. Or trying to. <laughs> not easy. Um, I've bred three species with varying success. Um, and, uh, you can see here, we got a mature male running around. Okay. Uh, he's coming to say hi. Um, yeah. yeah so I, I've, I've been growing up some Galapagoensis. They're matrophagous, which means that they only have one set of babies in their life. And just like velvet spiders, the babies eat the mother as part of the life cycle. Uh, wow. and they get about this big before they're ready to breed. They come from the dry areas of Peru. So it's a whole process. Um, I've had better success with flagtail centipedes. Um, I got eggs, I got babies. I raised the babies a bit. I gave some to another person. Some of them made it, some of them didn't. And then I've had um, Scolopendra viridis, which are not a communal centipede, but I've been keeping them communally by feeding them a lot of pre-killed prey. And I've had babies of them as well. So I, I'm working on it. The species I really like, uh, besides the source countries where they farm them, where they collect wild ones, put them in bins, and then they breed naturally, very few people have bred them. Some people in Asia have. Uh, I'm, tr I'm working on breeding. I want to breed uh, my uh, Scolopendra hardwickii, which people who know centipedes, those are like the holy grail centipedes. Those are the ones that are bright orange, bright black, bright orange, bright black. What's the second name? Sorry. Hardwick EI. Hardwick and then EI. Yeah. 
they're really cool. Um, I don't know how well. We can try. Oh wow, that's beautiful. Hold on, I think I can. I can even. Um... Oh, okay, yeah. See that? So I've got yeah, three. Let me try this. Oh. And these are like the holy grail centipede. These guys, um, but I have Galapagoensis. I have white legs. I have Gigantia. I have. Um, I have. Uh, Malaysian jewels. I have cherry reds. Um, and yeah, those guys, these ones, I think the dark red, I'm pretty sure they come from Sri Lanka. I'd love to have the dark, dark red like that. Um, but yeah, the, these guys were bred in Asia and then sent to a wholesaler in the U S who, who is passionate about centipedes as well. And then I got them from him. Um, I brought some in to sell, it's a hard sell, nine hundred. Yeah. Right, because they're. Sorry, say that again. Nine hundred Canadian. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're supposedly uh, pretty venomous. They're yeah they're they're, no recorded deaths. Um, the for centipedes, the only recorded deaths are South American species, and I think a couple Asian species that are large, where it bit children in the face. So they have a bad habit of going into bottles. Okay. pop and stuff like that to hide and kids will pick up a bottle and then they'll they'll get bit in the face so the only people who've ever died from centipede bites have been kids getting bit in the face um and it's luckily fairly rare they're not like some scorpions or some spiders where they're they're they can be quite venomous and their venom is primarily there's some variation among species they're from all over the world but they're all one genus the the, the big centipedes are all scolopendra um, they're mostly histamine. So it's a lot of swelling. It's a lot of pain. It's a lot of, um, but it's not, it's not, they're not, they tend not to be necrotic venom. They tend not to be blood clotting or blood thinning venom, uh, with the exception of Scolopendra hainananum from Hainan, China, I believe, which are, if you get bit on the finger with one of those, that your finger's coming off, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be necrotic. Right. Um, so are they venomous? Yeah, it's going to be pain, but it's not going to be anything beyond that. Similar to like bad tarantula bites, um, like the medically significant, medically significant tarantulas from uh, India and Africa are bad. But if you're a healthy adult, it's going to be pain and, and not much more. You don't have to worry about cardiac or, or blood or, or, or uh, neurological or necrotic things from them cool yeah well not so cool but cool <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah um so okay so so on on the topic of of importing we spoke at one of the expos and you told me about um importing the emperor scorpions yeah so getting paperwork getting a an importer it's hard to get paperwork from a source it's easy to get paperwork from a source country. It's hard to get paperwork from a source country and then ship to another country. So a company in the States brought them in and um, I'm not a big CITES guy. I usually get other people to help me with it, but a, a company brought them in um, and I asked them, Hey, can I get, can I get some? They said, no, we don't have paperwork to send to Canada. I talked to a friend um in the states who had some import 
papers because everything with CITES, it's Convention on International Trade of Exotic Species. As far as I understand it, and I don't understand it super well, is there's CITES 1, CITES 2, CITES 3. CITES 3, you basically, you there there is, um, you're allowed to import fairly freely. You have to record numbers coming out of a source country going between countries. CITES 2 is a little more um, uh, rigorous where there's there's hard caps on amounts coming from the wild and it can be harder to get paperwork from them. And then CITES 1 is, unless you're a zoo or uh, like a, a lab, you can't really get the paperwork on them. So luckily emperors are CITES 3. They're not that hard to get paperwork on. So I just found a guy who had, because for every country, I think there's like 500 a year, something. It's a, it's a yearly amount is allowed to go either between countries or from a source country. And he had some numbers. So I brought in 40 of them. Right. Uh, and, the and you were telling me how they were, how they were bred. Yeah. Uh, so could you tell now, us about that, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that they're, now that they're, um, now that they're being bred because you can't just take, well, uh, you can take some from the wild, but I, I think there's a zero export on wild caught emperors. I'm sure they still go into Europe. I'm sure they still go into Japan sometimes, but what they do now is they get wild caught ones and they put them in these big pits and they do the same thing with Asian forest scorpions. Uh, I don't think as successfully as emperor scorpions, but because they're, and they do the same thing in South America with these, with these um, giant centipedes. So these, and a lot of tarantulas, a lot of these countries now it's in the last 10 years, they'll set up in a place where these animals were from, take animals from the wild, put them in a enclosed area and breed them. Just, just let them breed. And so it's kind of like passive farming. So they do the same thing with emperor scorpions, but because they're fairly communal, they'll have these giant pits of emperor scorpions. Uh, and they used to do it, I think, to collect them. So like they, I know um, a person at Reptilia said when they went to Africa, they would go around these pits and there would just be hundreds of them. And you can see videos of different scorpion farms where they just have scorpions on top of scorpions on top of scorpions because a lot of these communal scorpions really won't bother each other. You can just chuck crickets in. Um and they'll, they'll just kind of breed. They just kind of breed like crazy. And um, so with the emperor scorpions, it's, just, it's a pit in the ground with a bunch of like terracotta pots, stuff like that for them to hide in. And they just have tons of them. And they just, I think they pull out gravid females or they pull out um, females with, uh, with babies on their backs. It's neat. I'd love to see it. I've seen videos. I haven't seen it in person. I've never been to Africa, but, um, and like I said, I know they, I know they're doing it with, uh, centipedes in asia as well supposedly um and and asian forest scorpions supposedly for tr chinese traditional medicine so there's a real like a, a real market for them not just as a pet or an oddity okay but as far as i know those haven't been successful yet and then you, you also see scorpion venom farms um where the venom people heard that the venom is very valuable by weight because it is for scientists but what they don't realize is that the when they set up these giant farms is that they the demand for the venom is is not very high so a lot of people set up these these venom farms in different places including iran and stuff seeing the money side of it and then didn't have anywhere to sell the scorpions um and then i know in china they have different species for for different reasons medical reasons traditional chinese medicine that sort of stuff awesome do you breed any scorpions yourself at home yeah, I kept I kept some of my uh, emperors, and I've also been collecting emperors. Like anytime an emperor comes up, I buy it. 
And so I've gotten pretty Why good. Why is at, that? Because they're hard to get. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get more. Uh, oh, yes. I can bring in I can bring in Pandanus viatoris whenever because they're not Cites. What, so I brought what is in, that? It's a closely related species. They look the same. Okay. They're just they're a little less friendly, and their claws are a little less round. So they're just just like the tiniest bit. Not as it's like um, it's like two different it's like two different uh, dart frog morphs where they look very close, but everyone wants one and not the other. You know what I mean? Right. Where, yeah, where yeah. Like this, there's two different tinks, and one's really five hundred dollars, and one's forty dollars. It's just yeah. This one is the the coveted one. Do you want the, to see the one? rarer one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. 100%. I the biggest. I kept the biggest one. Of course, you keep a pair. I've got seven. Wow. I've got seven of the forty. I think this is the biggest one. Are you gonna put them all in a big breeding pit? Yeah, I'm because like because they're so valuable. I'm afraid to do that. Yeah. I don't want because they are communal, but there's always a chance. Have you paired any? Hold on, let me do that. Have, I, I have paired some here. The other problem with Asian force and Emperor Scorpions oh. is that they are absolutely um, like metabolic rocks. Like you can pair them, and 18 months later, you might get babies. You know what I mean? I heard that scorpions have. Uh like the sperm retention for like three, four years or something like that. I believe so. And then even when they just get gravity, even if they, if, even if they think, Hey, it's time to have babies, depending on the temperature, amount of food. Um, I've heard 12 months. I've heard 18 months. A lot of people will buy wild caught Asian forest scorpions and two years later get babies. And they're like, babies. it must be parthenog parthenogenesis. It must be females. But no, they just, they, like you said, they can store sperm, but also just their their natural gestation can take a really long time. And they're good. They're good moms. They keep the babies on their back. They break off food. They give it to them. They really do a lot of parental care. It's really neat. Is there a point? Sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say, is there a point where it goes from good parental care to aggression? I'm sure it is, but the babies tend to leave the moms back on their own. And then um, they'll kind of do their own thing. And even in a couple species, babies will actually not do well unless they're with other babies. Like Pandanus dictator, I've heard from people that if you separate off the babies, they just don't eat. They like to be together, live in groups um, just naturally. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, Emperor scorpions, I've raised little tiny ones um, from other people's breedings separately. They, do, they seem to do fine on their own. I've got, uh, I've got a one clawed one over here, just a little clawed one. Yeah, I, I got them less expensive because he's only got one claw, and supposedly they're able to grow him back. But he's molted a couple times for me. I got him when he was teeny tiny, and oh yeah, I see him. Sorry, I'm not used to cameras. Yeah, I don't know if you can see. He's he's just got a little nub of a claw, and I don't know if it's gonna grow back any more than that. But he eats fine. Mating him will be a problem because the way scorpions mate is it it is a him. I'm not sure. Um, I, I I'm pretty good at sexing them when they're bigger, when they're small. Mm -hmm. so the way you sex most scorpions, okay, is they have these things right. If if I'm a scorpion, they have these things right here called pectines. 
and they look like a comb. They have they have fingers on them. Males will be quite large and have long combs. Females will be shorter and smaller. Okay. And um, so with larger specimens side by side, you can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, with small ones, it's too hard for me to tell. There's nothing but, to compare it to. But the they use those to pick up. So a male will drop a sperm plug and it will stick to something. And they'll use their claws to pull a female over it. So if he's a male, he might have a hard time pulling a female over if he's only got one arm. One so arm, we'll, right. we'll see down the road. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And it, that, that's an emperor as well, right? Emperor as well, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, right now I have emperors and then I also have um, a few Gigantometra Swammerdammy, which are the largest scorpions in the world. Uh, I'm just letting them be right now. And then I have some um, flat rock scorpions, which are very hard to get now. Uh, and they're hard to breed. I have some captive bred ones, and then I have one that I don't know if it's captive bred. It was just somebody's pet for, for years and years. They're the longest scorpion in the world, but they have this long, skinny tail, and they're extremely flat. And they live in extremely dry, rocky areas. Like I missed mine once a month, maybe. And it, wow, okay. just keep it dry. They eat maybe once a month, maybe less. Um, but they are very flat very weird looking and their stinger is almost vestigial it doesn't even like they don't use it it's it they they, they have almost no venom to speak of same with emperors their their venom's very mild uh, and they they usually don't sting the gigantometra swammer dammy he'll he'll sting you yeah. <laughs> i'm trying to get some more of them because they're not cites uh and they're bigger than emperors and they're really cool looking and they're the recent findings have found that they don't just live in India because India, like Australia, has a zero export. You know how Australia won't yeah. export any reptiles legally? Uh, India won't export any of their wildlife legally, as far as I know. Including uh, bugs. Including bugs. <laughs> but there's, they found that this Gigantometris ranges out into Malaysia, uh, Malaysia, Burma, different places close to India. So there should be a good chance um, that I can source some and then i'll have to from, figure it out from somewhere else yeah M- makes sense makes they sense. show up people are breeding them but um but they're they're definitely few and far between and i think people would really be into them they're cool they're a little nastier than emperors but they're they can get bigger they're yeah. around the same size and they're more brown they're less they're less black and they're more brown i think they're interesting i think they're cool switching back to centipedes i know i keep jumping between centipedes and scorpions but there's just like so many questions in different places I'm a bit of a mess today, but I've heard that there is some kind of disease or condition that causes them to behave a little off and then um, they just start to die. Yeah. So I don't know if it's been proven, but this is generally what people have been saying is that um, they get, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. I I talk about it all the time. Um, It's a fungal infection. My, mycosis i believe okay. it's mycosis it's a fungal infection where when they molt or when they're in a really moist environment they they get a, a a fungal or bacterial infection where it starts to eat away at their legs and and messes with them and i'm gonna try and shift this gently but how i keep all my so young ones it doesn't seem to be as much as a problem see these tanks here yeah. these are where i keep my large centipedes it's hard to tell but in the back I have a, a hide, that black thing right there. 
Yeah. And under that is sphagnum that's moist. The rest of this tank is dry. Dry. And so in here I have Galapagoensis. Um, and I also have um, white legs, uh, which are either an undescribed species or a subspecies of Galapagoensis or a locale of of um, of um, Giganteus, depending on who you ask. Uh, I think they're an unnamed species or they're a form of Giganteus. But yeah. how I keep these, this is just because the tabs are broken up. I use tanks, so I stuff <laughs> paper towel in there. These are just uh, Zilla 20 gallons. So bone dry and then a really moist corner, and then they can freely go between it and then a water dish. I find I've kept Asian species that way, tropical Asian species. I've kept high humidity species, including Malaysian jewels that way. I've never had a mycosis problem. What I see a lot when people have trouble with it, they're keeping them in bins like this with low ventilation. Okay. And so they can't get away from the humidity. Um, these are also South American species from areas that are dry. You think of South America, you think Amazon. Yeah. But where these guys live, where the big centipedes live, it's grassland or it's like dry hills uh, or it's dry coastal forest. It's, it's fairly dry. Okay. Uh, but he, like I said, even with the Asian ones, as long as you keep a spot really moist and give them a water dish and then keep the rest fairly dry, they seem to do really well. So that would be my advice to anyone. And then when they're small, I try and keep it half dry, half wet and give them some ventilation. It's hard because they can sneak through anything. Um, but I find that when they're little, the biggest problem is drying out. When they're big, the biggest problem is being too wet. So it's okay. kind of like finding that balance. And once they get around this big is when I'd shift them to something where it's mostly drier because I've had little, little guys dry out and I've had, I've heard of big guys um, get those problems, but I've been lucky that it hasn't happened. I think it's because of how I keep them. So fully vented top. And then I use a lock on the door so they can't get out. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so what, what, what do they do all day? Are they burrowers? Or do they just kind of hang out? Are they always, they always seem like nine times, on the move. nine times out of 10, if I lift up that hide, that's where they're going to be. In the humid hide? In the humid hide. Nine times yeah. out of 10. They come out during the day. Um, I used to only feed them in a dish because I didn't want their discoid roach going everywhere. Okay. And it got to the point where when they were hungry, they'd come out and hang out by the dish. Okay. And you'll see the same thing with wolf spiders um, as well. Uh, where where they they learn where food is and they start to like go there, which is kind of interesting for an invert to associate an area with food. food and yeah. hey, I'm hungry, I should go here to get food. But I'm sure that like that's how everything eats. But it's just funny to see it on a on a macro scale like right. that. So um, it's almost like when you're target training your snakes or something. Yeah, like you're, exactly. you're associating a behavior with a reward. Yeah. Almost, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's interesting that that something so primitive in our our mind um, can have can figure out something like that. And the wolf spiders I've seen people will have um, I've seen videos of it where they'll have like a row of termites just outdoors, uh, and, they'll, and they'll take video because they're doing stuff with the termites. And the wolf spider comes out every day, and then um, they kill the termites, and then the wolf spider still there he comes out every night waits for where the termites are supposed to be but they're not there anymore and then after a couple of days gives up which so. is, it's funny that he spends all night he's like they're gonna be here yeah. not like i'm just wandering here it's like i know that if i come here there's gonna be food here and they do the same thing and then i stop doing it 
and they stopped doing it. I stopped for a few weeks and they, cause I just, I just started feeding them directly. Um, it was just easier than, than dropping it in the bowl at that point. Um, but yeah, it's funny. It was an interesting, interesting. Yeah. I'm almost imagining the wolf spider telling all his wolf spider buddies like, come on, I know where there's a spot. I know where there's a spot. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, that's okay. That's really, that's really, really cool. Okay. Uh, another thing you mentioned earlier is the popularity now of um, jumping spiders. Yeah. So, okay. So let me ask you this. Jumping spider as, as pets, jumping spiders versus tarantulas. Um, very different for one. Yeah. Jumping spiders are small, very visual. Um, they, you can handle them often. They don't really bite. I've never really seen it, uh, but they live a very short life. They live a very, very short life, and they are sensitive to food and water. Tarantulas, it couldn't be more of the opposite. They live, if it's a female, 10, 20, 30 years. So they have a, a crazy amount. They There's some dwarf species, but they tend to get quite large. Um, new worlds will kick hairs. Old worlds will bite you, and they will bite you. Um, uh, you can't. There's some tarantulas you can handle. I generally tell people, like, listen, don't buy it to handle it. But if you get comfortable handling it, that's a bonus. It's not like, it's not like a dog or a cat where it's like you buy it and it's handleable. They might never calm down to that point. Yeah. Uh, whereas a jumping spider, you can generally handle them, especially if it's captive bred. Um, for short periods of time without them being without them being bothered um but definitely the market of who wants jumping spiders is different than the tarantula market it it really is videos that have shown up on tiktok youtube instagram uh of people filming jumping spiders and and it's people who want something cute and there's nothing wrong with that um especially if you're trying to source from a breeder or captive bred or farm bread. I get some, I get some greenhouse grown ones. I get some captive bread. I get some wild caught ones. Um, do you breathe any yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I breed, I breed Regius. I have babies, right? Do you want to see the babies? Sure. <laughs> How tiny are they? Um, I'll show you a, an adult. So is, is, is the Regius the native one? Regius is not native. So we have, um, the species that's native here looks very similar to Regius and the range overlaps. We have um, Phytopus audax. Phytopus audax is in Ontario. Okay. Uh, we also have other ones, uh, Perparatus. Um, there's f- six, seven species of Phytopus, but the ones that you're going to see in, in urban areas that are large are audax, and they look very similar to some locales of Regius. Regius, I think the far furthest north they range is like Georgia, maybe South Carolina, but they're primarily in Florida. And then there's also different species that might be Regis. They're currently described as Regis in the Bahamas, Jamaica, Cuba, stuff like that. Um, But these are not Regis. So this is an adult female Hylus diarity. And they're a fairly large jumping spider. Uh, There's my finger as a comparison. I don't know if you can move it to your left. good yeah that's better yeah okay so that's a mom i think that's the mom actually i have it next to it and then these tiny little guys all those black spots yeah our second or third instar you can see there's a bunch of fruit flies caught in them i've been feeding them fruit flies uh they seem to be doing pretty well 
there's not a lot of people breeding these in Canada yet. UK has some breeders. Um, but so far, they seem to be doing well communally. And so far, they seem to be surviving. Um, I've raised a ton of Regius this year, probably two-ish hundred Regius this year. Um, and it's not difficult, but it's harder to get a high survival rate for Regius, for me at least. Uh, and I keep my room humid. I keep my room warm. I feed them. Um, but but I'm, uh, I've gotten up to 75% survival rate from when they hatch, but I've gotten as low as 25% survival rate. It really depends on, but, but I've had anywhere from 20 to a hundred eggs per clutch. And I've had probably in the last two years, 10, 15 clutches. This is my only diarty clutch right now. I have one giganteous clutch and one female diarty that's gravid. I believe I still have two females and a male that I'm planning on pairing. They're near the end of their life. Cause like I said, one to three years is normal. The bigger, wow. more subtropical species tend to be two to three years. Okay. Um, but it, it really, Both males and females? Males live a little shorter from what I've heard. I've seen pretty similar things in practice. It, they're, they're pretty new. Your mileage is going to vary depending on a lot of things, how much you feed them, what your temperature is, uh, were they wild caught, were they captive bred, all sorts of stuff. So um expect a year be happy with three is what awesome. i is what i tell people in general and once they get past like yay big they're pretty hardy it's just that yeah. that young young stage and it takes a while to raise them up that's that's the the biggest downside is i have people waiting and waiting and and um even if I feed them daily, they're not always going to eat daily. And then they have to molt four times. People usually sell them fourth instar. I've sold right. at third instar. I've sold at fifth instar. Um, but you don't want to sell them super small, um, especially if you've been babying them because you sent them to a new house. They could they could easily die. So I've been pushing everyone towards aresis spiders. And what are those? Aresis spiders. Okay. So the ones that I get, aresis walconary orange ring, they're yay big they look like a jumping spider they like it bone dry so that's very important especially when they're young is they like it bone dry they still eat fruit flies they still eat crickets when they're bigger they live a decent amount of time they're very cute um they like room temperature you can't What's kill them e-r-e-s-u-s -E and the second name walconary if you start w-a-l-c-k Oh, that's so cool. Okay. Yeah. So those are, I've been get, bringing in a lot of them. There's a guy who, he's an arachnologist. He breeds them, but he also collects them from Greece. Um, he'll collect hatched egg sacs. These guys are also matrophagous. So they have one clutch of babies. The babies will eat the mother. So you see the one with the red butt? Yeah, this one right here? That's a male. Oh, okay. See the ones with the orange ring? These ones? Those are females. And they get a pretty good size. They get, like I said, female get that big lift. Live, I say seven years. It's more like four to seven years. It really depends on how. Once they mature, they kind of have like a like a the time's ticking for jumping spiders and for aresis and for and for uh, male tarantulas. Once they, yeah. once they mature, reach their final molt, that's when they're like you can you can raise you can raise a male tarantula for six years. 
and then he matures to male and you get a year or two out of him or you could raise him for two years and then he turns to adult male and he dies in a year like it, their their lifespan is more once they reach maturity they're not going to live much longer than a season their their entire all their energy goes towards finding a mate mating ultimately dying right they're, they're really not uh meant to live a long time and same with the aresis males but the females will live three four years uh once they mature i've heard i've heard five years i've heard seven years there's a bunch of different species some of them are communal um but uh they're these are one of my sorry top sellers. sorry say that again they're one of my top sellers Arisa. Oh, okay. uh, i push a lot of people who want jumping spiders towards them because they're like an easy longer lived bigger jumping spider they still have that cute face they still have that body um, they'll still look around a little bit. They're less visual and they don't jump, but they really are that like gentle, handleable, personable, cute little spider. It's not the same species, or maybe it is. There's a species you had with you at one of the expos that you said was from the UK and you called it the giant jumping spider. UK. I could be wrong on that, on the UK yeah. part, but. Uh, no, it's probably Hylus giganteus. Okay. So, I get them farm bred from a breeder who, who raises them in greenhouses. He captures a whole bunch of them, puts them in a greenhouse, lets them free breed, lets them grow up, and then sells those babies. Um, okay. And he imports them from a, another country. So he's actually raising them in a country that's not the source country. So all the ones that he has comes from another country. But they're the largest jumping spiders in the world. Okay. And a related species, Hylus diardi, are, is the one I just showed you, the babies. Their females are, are white, white with little black eyelashes. They're really, really popular. I thought the Giganteus would be popular, but they're kind of leggy. And I think that the people who are into jumping spiders, they're not as desirable because I had I sold out of the Diardi immediately, but the Giganteus took four months before everyone bought them. It was they were they were still an easy sale because it's jumping spiders, but they were they were not not the response that the Regius and the um, Diardi got. The Regius and the Diardi are really what the market wants. They want fluffy. They want cute. They want a good size. Um, they don't want too leggy. They, they want little desk pets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And yeah, if, if, if you don't mind the fact that it's if you get an adult, it's not going to live very long. Or if you get a baby, it, it's fairly fragile for the first bit. Jumping spiders are, are fine. They're a great pet. But if you want something that's going to be cute and very hardy and then also live a while when it's an adult, I really I really push people towards the aresis. When it comes to tarantulas, when they're going into molt and they're not eating, is it something I should like that people should be worried about over a long period of time? No. The, the key is, are they hydrated? And the only way you tell that is by keeping their soil moist and giving them a water dish. And not every tarantula is going to drink out of a water dish, but you should still offer it. And then the other thing is, is their abdomen, so their their butt part, is it wider than their thorax, uh, which is their, their body part where their legs are attached? You want their butt to be wider, if you look from the top, wider than the thorax. When the butt is smaller than the thorax, then I would be worried. And if you have a spider that's active and not eating, you might have a mature male. And there's different ways you can tell um, tell that. The, the easiest way is the, the, the front pedipalps will have 
will be curled in and there will be like this hook there and that and mature males they tend not to eat uh some will eat for a while but they tend not to eat and then just eventually kind of wither away and, and die and that's not you keeping them poorly that's just what they do in nature in nature they run around try and mate with as many females as possible and then they they die they're, they're not worried about much else um but no if if, if your tarantula is not eating but it's healthy i wouldn't worry yeah and there's different ways you can tell if it's in pre-molt um when they're younger it's easier they kind of get this glossy look on their butt where it just kind of looks black and that can be concerning to a new keeper because it's like is it dying is it sick uh it's just their skin separating and it gets like this weird like deep black like almost like an all like a black olive look and that's usually awesome. right before they molt uh they tend to bulk especially when they're young they tend to be a lot fatter before they molt um if they're on their back leave them on their back that's how they molt um but ultimately if they're not skinny i wouldn't worry they're not like a human they're not eating three times a day they're eating in the wild once a month once every two months in captivity every week uh, i wouldn't go beyond that a lot of people feed um once a week to once a month i, I wouldn't feed more than that and uh if it's very very if the abdomen is much larger than the thorax it's 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 not necessarily obese, but it's full. It doesn't need food. I'll do a little fast round here. There's a couple of questions from like people on Instagram and stuff like okay. that. So we'll just do like a little speed round here. Sure. Scorpions or tarantulas? As pets, what's better in your opinion? Um, they're the same. It's just what you prefer. Um, uh, some scorpions can kill you. No tarantula can. That's uh, but in general, scor scorpions can't climb glass or run away as quick. So if 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 it's 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 personal preference. I don't think one's worse than the other. Don't get okay. a deadly one. Don't get yeah. No, that makes sense. Okay. Um, I guess you sort of already answered this one in the store, like in 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 your story. But um, reptiles or inverts reptiles or inverts yeah i like reptiles uh but i don't have time for them okay so makes sense yeah um, and then another question is do you keep reptiles but i guess that's also yes yeah, i've got tortoises um yeah, yeah I, I would get desert geckos again because i can just feed them once a week but yeah. tropical geckos like i liked dwarf geckos so i liked electric blues i liked the small felsuma and those are those are um i didn't have a mist king setup so that maybe was my bad but spraying, spraying daily or every other day, feeding Rapashi twice it's a week, tiring. eating crickets. Uh, if you have two tanks, sure. But I had, I had um, two hundred and fifty tanks. <laughs> so, so. Wow. Yeah, it built up. I've got pictures somewhere. I can, I can post them up. Um, I yeah. used to go to the Downsview Expo all the time. I would split tables with different gecko people. So if you okay. bought a weird gecko uh, seven years ago, it might have been one of mine. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the electric blues I know in Canada right now are ones that came from me. That's and a lot really of the Clemerai, cool. I was one of the first people with Clemerai in Canada after years. Uh, there was in Canada many years ago, but I got a group together. Um, so a lot of the Clemerai that are around now that aren't recently imported came from me as well. We'll, we'll get to the expo and we'll start talking expo stuff in a sure. second. But um, what about um, scorpions growing, glowing under a black light? um why do they do that it's it's so i forget which compound it is um 
it might be phosphorus. I'd have to look it up again, but it's basically there's a certain chemicals fluoresce a lot of bodily, uh, a lot of body parts, like skin flakes, urine, whatever, um, fluoresce under black light. And it's usually sulfur or, or, uh, phosphorus, uh, fluoresce under black light. Um, and they just have that in their, in their keratin, in their, in their chitin, in their, um, in their armor. So if you shine it on it, you'll see that their soft part of their body doesn't glow. Uh, it's just the, the, the keratin. And, um, there's a couple other animals that will glow, but it's mostly color based. So there's some like jumping spiders with different, uh, prism on their chiller and stuff like that will, that will glow, but they're the only invert that I tried on that regularly glows. So it's nothing evolutionary. I think it's just they happen to use this chemical in their building block and it happens to glow under black light, but it is very strong. Um, There's no like actual reason for it or defense mechanism. It's Yeah, it's not, but interestingly enough, uh, have you ever noticed a lot of tarantulas are blue, bright blue? Okay, yeah. Now so, that, no, but now that you mention it, yeah. So tarantulas aren't blue. They don't have blue in their color palette. Like they'll have hairs that are physically red. The blue is there's microstructures in their chitin. And especially males will be more blue than females. They have microstructures in their chitin that when they reflect light, they reflect black blue light. And they think the reason for that is, well, it looks cool in the day. They're out at night. They are active at night primarily. They think that the that structure makes them harder to see in the dark. For a lot of different animals eyes okay um so that's why there's a lot of bright because why would there be bright blue they can't see tarantulas can't see uh, yeah. very well at all so that it's not to, for them to see each other and um it's bright so why would why would they want to be showing bright colors they're not super venomous they're not super dangerous they're not like a dart frog where yeah that color says if you eat me it's and it's not mimicry it's it so they think that it's um it helps them blend in because in the dark it's harder for them to see that's kind of an, cool. off, an off topic but that's no yeah. that's very, very cool yeah. they don't have blue pigments they have microstructures that make them look blue do you have any other interesting little factoids facts yeah factoids um isopods are crustaceans yes that's kind of cool Yes. And they're, they're the only fully terrestrial crustaceans. And the way they have babies is they actually keep water in a pouch and the babies go through the larval stage in this pouch and then are born as full adults. So they, that's how they get past because all other crustaceans need a water stage. We right. talked about Geosasarma earlier where they've transitioned to freshwater. Crayfish have transitioned to freshwater, but ultimately even the land ones need water again. You have isopods that live in the middle of the Sahara desert. There's Hemilophistus isopods uh, that live in groups digging down to where it's just moist enough that they can survive. And they do this tail dabbing technique because they have gills. They're in, they're, they still have gills. They're, they're crustaceans. So right. you'll see sometimes when you spray them, they do this, this tail dabbing. And what they're doing is they're getting their gills moist. So they can live in really dry conditions, but they need some moisture at some time to breathe or else they desiccate. Right. Um, so that's kind of cool, I guess. I thought that was neat. That's very cool. That, that brings up a very interesting question as well. Um, a lot of people are getting into bioactive and wanting to do bioactive setups now. And obviously people are using ice pods as cleanup yep. crews. Yeah. Um, which actually this brings up another. This, okay. This is a perfect like follow up for another question I had. Okay. So um, 
so they wanted to use isopods as cleanup crews but obviously isopods like it's fairly um moist. humid and moist and wet you know what my number one question at the expo is is there a, a is there an ice park for bearded dragons yeah okay that's that's exactly what my question was going to be yeah. yeah there is but it'll eat them all and then and it'll, then you won't yeah, have any. Well, yeah the yeah, bearded yeah. dragon will eat them the bearded dragon will eat them right. but i i keep i kept for for years i kept prognosis with my tortoises by just keeping a moist corner okay um so you can make it work in dry environments but in general bone dry with a carnivorous animal they're just gonna get eaten right. uh but a tropical setup where there's lots of places to hide it's moist everywhere you can have isopods with crested geckos leopard geckos yeah. depending on how you keep the leopard gecko um, but truly truly more dry things like like bearded dragons aki monitors stuff like that there's not really an isopod that's that, that works super well for them okay are millipedes um good cleanup crew because you know people are looking for things other than ice pods now because it is cool at the end of the day to say i have you know they're like look into it yeah there's, oh there's i have a lizard and uh ice pods and cleanup crew and millipedes and like it's a whole it system in it here, depends you know? yeah it depends um a lot of them are toxic so a lot of millipedes are poisonous not venomous so they when they're eaten um they could kill things i don't know if dart frogs are safe with different millipede species um because i know dart frogs will eat a lot of poisonous things and actually gain that poison mm. for themselves which could be another another thing you don't want to put millipedes with your terribilis yeah. and now all of a sudden you have terribilis that if you touch them you could die yeah if you're high into trototoxin right um in general yeah but they're not going to do the same job as springtails or isopods. Springtails and isopods are the best at a cleanup crew. Um, and millipedes can work in a planted tank for sure. If there's no reptiles in it, it can work in a planted tank. Uh, if there's herbivores, um, but in general, they're not going to do as good a job. And I wouldn't recommend keeping something small and poisonous yeah. with, with, with reptiles where isopods are not poisonous, but with isopods, uh, and I tell people every week, this, they are protein hungry. And when you have inverts that molt, they're very soft after, and I've seen videos, I've seen pictures of millipedes, centipedes, tarantulas, all get nibbled by isopods. And people ask, well, what about arboreal tarantulas, stuff like that? And I say, if that's a risk you're willing to deal with, then sure. Reptiles seem to be pretty safe. Reptile eggs even seem to be pretty safe. I um, so. But in general, putting isopods with inverts, you're better off just putting springtails because I, uh, inverts are not going to have giant poops yeah and they're not going to have little bits of molt everywhere they're either going to eat their molt or it's going to be a full molt there's no real reason to have isopods with inverts unless you're willing for some of those inverts to get eaten by the isopods like i'll keep i'll keep isopods with my discoids because i know that they they breed often enough and there's enough food in there that they just kind of take care of it but i wouldn't keep them with my giant centipedes because they could easily get nibbled and i've seen pictures of them get nibbled and i also don't keep isopods with my millipedes uh for that reason when in doubt 
use springtails. If you have anything small and fragile, use springtails. And also when you choose isopods, if you choose dwarf whites or dwarf purples, just be aware that you're not going to get rid of them. Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> That's it. If you, if, yeah. And there's no reason to in a normal dart frog tank, dwarf gecko tank, anything like that. There's no reason to get rid of them. But if you want to introduce something else in there or anything like that, you're always going to have them. They're going to eat the, they're going to eat rapashi if it gets on the bottom or any of the, the powdered foods. Um, if, if any of your animals die and you want to keep the skeleton, they will eat them very quick. Um, anything like that. Dart frogs, they seem totally safe with people have been keeping dwarf whites and dwarf purples with dart frogs for years and years. They'll eat them everything, but springtails are super safe. I've heard of a very f- small amount of soft-bodied inverts being bothered by certain springtails, but in general, springtails are very safe, and isopods are safe with reptiles and amphibians. Um, awesome. Maybe Is something else to recommend, uh, like a different isopod species, or like as a, a good cleanup crew, not even an isopod species, just like earthworms, uh, springtails. Dwarf, yeah, I guess. dwarf purples. Dwarf purples are really good. Um, people, I've seen people use white worms and grindle worms and stuff like that, which are fish food. Yeah, uh, they're just little white worms. Uh, they tend to like it colder, and they can be slimy and gross. Yeah. Like they can slime up your tank. Um, I would stay away from small cockroaches. Well, a we're in Canada, so it's not legal. But if you're somewhere else around the world, uh, they can they tend to nibble plants. Isopods do minimal plant nibbling. They're pretty they're pretty safe. Um, we talked about millipedes. If it's just a planted tank and you like the look of millipedes, sure, go nuts. But for reptiles or amphibians, you run the risk of um, poison. That being said, I I know a lot of amphibians can eat poisonous insects or inverts in general. Um, If I'm being professional, you asked earlier, do I call them bugs? You can call them inverts, which is vertebrate, anything without a spine. I also, as we were talking, I think you said it at one point, and I was like, that's the word I was looking but I'd for. Say bugs, especially at Expo, like when somebody comes by and they're just looking at the table and they're like, Ugh. I'm like, yep, it's bugs. It's yeah. a lot of bugs. Just a lot of bugs. People, you say bugs and people know what that is. You say yeah. inverts and... Um, Everyone's like, what? Yeah, some people know what it is. Some people don't. Same thing. That yeah. could be good marketing for the Expo. Say inverts and let them walk up to the table and see what it is and be like, ah, just bugs. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think in my bio, I say invertebrate breeder. Yeah. Um, but for a while, I called my Facebook Westgate Bugs. Okay. Um, yeah. I think it's still at Westgate Bugs. Um, but I was just Westgate Exotics because when I had reptiles, uh, I just went, I'm like, how am I going to... I like geckos. I like this. I like that. I like feeders. I yeah. like that cover everything so i went exotics and there's yeah. some people who are like don't call them exotic pets blah 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 they're like that makes them seem like not like a normal pet i'm like well they're they're not a dog or a cat they are an exotic pet right, exotic. and maybe it conjures bad images with like tigers and lions but i don't sell tigers and lions yeah talk about uh expo stuff yeah um not to toot my own horn but i sell a lot of isopods at the expo awesome and a big part of that is how i display them Yes. You go to other isopod things and they're in a a foggy little container because it just came in from the cold. Uh, It's got sphagnum. You can't see anything. It just says a name and a price. Right. I just put the iso I take my nicest isopods from home, the biggest, nicest ones, stick them in a in a a open cup in a tray that's all open so people can see them 
and then I have the species name there and the price. And then when somebody buys them, I hand them a little container or I give them the bag and I pick any container. And I find that being able to see them more so going on, I don't mind if people steal my idea. I told these other people, I'm like, listen, you want to display them nicer, um, do it like that. I might even start doing what Tarantula Canada does where you see in all the pictures on my Instagram, I take these nice high quality pictures. I might just have a board of just a bunch of pictures. And be like, pick which one you want. And you just point at it and then I'll have it underneath. Because yeah. um, the hardest part at expos with isopods is how do you show them to people? How do people see them? Right. And now I've got the, I don't know if you saw Deaterra, that she has those lights with the magnifying glass. I uh, think so. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. So I want to have one of those next to the isopod so you can like move it around, see them up close. I just, I, in order for people to want to see something, you have to show interesting stuff. So that's why I'm always pulling out the black light with the scorpions. I'm always pulling out the slow moving, like mastic even if I'm not selling them at the show, just to show people what, what you could get into. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. People, people want to see something. They don't want to read a name. And right. when they see something, then they'll read about it. If that makes sense. Um, so just, just, the amount of isopods I've just walked by at the show because it's just a bunch of names and I skim them quick. I'm like, ah, I've got, no, I've, I've got, got everything. Yeah. 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 But there might be one or two there. And if they had like them displayed nice or a nice picture, I would immediately same with if tarantula Canada just had the species list. You when, would it's not busy, know when it's that busy, you're like, Oh, I got to see the next booth. Like I, like I have limited time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they have all the pictures. And I'm like, Oh, I know I want that right away. Yeah. You know I mean, so 100 so for an so, expo talk to talk for anybody who wants to sell stuff at the expo talk to people have stuff that's out you don't have to have them touch it if it's not something that's you're cool with but like showing people stuff talking about the interesting things displaying your animals nicely um a lot of people do that anyway at the expo but but the isopod people they could definitely show them nicer and i, I won't get mad if you copy my thing just like I hope Tarantula Canada won't get mad if I copy how they show their pictures with prices. My booth's uh, not expensive. It's not high tech. I want to make it nicer, but just how I display the isopods has definitely made it so I sell more isopods than other booths because people see it and they're like, I want that one. And no, 100%. Yeah. And, and I think another thing is... is uh, your I built that is... in one day, that that display. I knew I needed... I, I, I didn't even brainstorm it. It's like, I know I need to show them I have an expo next week is my first expo back. Yeah. I was actually vending with um, hidden path. Yeah. Hidden path. Uh, so I was like, I've got, to, I've got to make it interesting to people. So I just, I went to the hardware store, got a, a hole saw, put some holes in a board, measured them out, put it together overnight. You don't have to spend a ton of money to make it nice and visible. Now there's all these acrylic stands and everything, which are cool too. Um, but I don't think they'd show isopods super well. I don't think they'd be uh, no too much reflection. Yeah, I wish the vendors would stop. As as somebody that's filming the expos, yeah, I wish people would stop using like all these reflective acrylics, where like mm -hmm. you know you have to like turn the camera in seven different ways to be able to show the animal. And um, and you see me like I don't just you come along with your camera. I'm like oh, pull out. You see, I'm doing yeah. it. I'm doing it the whole time. I'm 100%, just, 100%. And, that, and that's I learned that a lot at, at Reptilia as well. It's like show people stuff, let them see, let them learn, let them hold it if it's safe. Yes. And that's how you, I'm not, if I do that to 50 people and not one of them buys something, that's not the point. The point is that um, other people see that uh, they learn something. I get a lot of people message later. Hey, what was that thing we held? Do you have any available? Like it's, yeah. and even if I don't, it's not, it's not to get a sale. It's to, to, 
show people these things so that they can at least start to get interested in them. Because right. even when I was into reptiles, I only knew a limited amount about bugs. And it, it's, it's not always, if you don't know how to research stuff, it's not always super easy to just right away know what's available. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so being able to see stuff is one and being able to learn about stuff by somebody who can show you. Um, yeah, and don't be afraid to, if you go up to a booth, don't be afraid to uh, look at this stuff, ask questions. Um, most vendors sh will be happy to answer your questions, uh, even if even if you think it's a silly question. Yeah. There are no silly questions, 100%. No silly questions. Yeah, I'd, questions I'd rather you ask and not do it yeah. than do it and not ask. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. Uh, and as 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 a invert seller at a reptile expo, do you feel mm -hmm. like it's a little bit tougher for you? Do you feel like I feel like we more I feel like we do better? Yeah, really. Okay. Have you seen Tarantulas Canada's booth every time? Canada yeah. Red booth every time. My booth every time. Yeah, your like booth we, every time. It's always full. I talk yeah. to the I talk to the reptile guys. Um, there's ten ball python booths. There's yeah. ten. Um, Crested gecko, gecko booths, crested gecko booths. Yeah. The mixed booths do okay, yeah. But it's just like you've got to hope that. But no, and also, tarantula keepers have a rack like me. Like I've got yes. ten racks. Yes. But <laughs> tarantula keepers have a rack like me. Most reptile keepers don't have what's behind you. They'll have right. three or have four, one or two, or three setups. Yeah. And it's because I I'm in here five hours, one day a week. It used to be two days a week. I've gotten it down to one day a week. And then I spray t three times a week. Okay. Um, but that's it. Like uh, it's one day. It, it ends a lot up being, of work in one day. It, it ends up being six or seven hours because I look at everything because I want to see what's going on. But you can have, and I have 300, 400 enclosures. You can have 20 rep inverting enclosures and spend one hour a week. Yeah. You can't do that with geckos. They need regular care they and, it, and it's not because these guys can handle more abuse it's because they they're just um metabolically different than reptiles right they're, they're standing still most of them would prefer to stand in still in a in a, in a single place and they're a lot smaller so you don't need as big an enclosure yeah. like um people will keep a ball python in something that size i don't think that's right but i don't mind keeping 100 isopods in there because they're all running around that's they live under a log in nature I, it, it's it's no it makes sense absolutely yeah and and for sure for sure the invert people are doing better at the shows yeah um yeah. not but but there's still like the reptile people still do well there's a the reason they come back but for of course. Uh, and and also it helps that like there's two isopod sellers there's two tarantula sellers and then there's 20 of everything else yeah. um i think the dry stock sellers are where it's really at, and I'm trying to get more dry stock from Europe. I'm trying to get stuff that's commonly used in Europe here, and I'm trying to get some niche stuff from the states here. Or um, specifically, like uh, spiders and, and no, no dry stock. No, but but tailored for yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So awesome. like, um, I don't want to give away what I'm bringing in. But, okay, no, that's uh, fine. Yeah, yeah. But different enclosures. Um, it's hard to bring soil, and you need different licenses. Um, dry food it's easy to drive it across. So I might just do that. Um, shipping it can sometimes be a hassle, but yeah, I want to bring in, I want to bring in branded isopod food, uh, branded isopod stuff. I'm making my own yes. flake soil, but it's, it's, it takes a while to make. Uh, and if you don't know what flake soil is, it's fermented wood. It's really good for millipedes. It's really good for isopods. 
Um, and I think those albino narcissists I showed you, I think they're going to be the next big thing. I've had people ask after the show. People always ask me what I feed them. Yes. I've seen a lot of people uh, lately on on, t on uh, Instagram feeding um, fava beans or, or they've got another name, the large green beans. I think fava bean is a, is a common name for them. Okay. Uh, but I feed sweet potato. Okay. And the reason I feed sweet potato, people talk about the cyanide content whatever when i was at reptilia we didn't feed carrots um because they had the beta carotene levels as well as the type of beta carotene is not that good for reptiles so i don't know if that's true or not for inverts but i also find sweet potato the sugar content is higher it sits longer the starch level is higher which can be bad for some things but for inverts simple starches are fine um and it's really easy to cut. It lasts a long time. It's just everything about it is better than carrots. Pumpkin is the best, but it goes moldy really, really quick. Um, what do you feed your roaches? I feed them sweet potato as well. I feed them dog food. I feed them pelletized pig food because I, I have a potbelly pig. What? Um, yeah, I have a potbelly pig. I have sphinx cats as well. I would love to see pictures of the potbelly pig afterwards. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're at... Um, they're at my girlfriend's parents' house right now as we're building yeah. a uh, property. Okay, we had them cool. on a large property. We had to move. They have a big property, so she's up there for now. Um, cool. We might end up keeping her around here again. We just have to work out the logistics because she's being a menace at the farm, apparently. So, <laughs> as they are. I don't recommend, if anyone wants a potbelly pig, I don't recommend one. Okay. If you work from home and already live on a farm, sure. Or if you have an area where they can live outdoors, it's heated, sure. But they really are—they're—they're—they're they're, they're cute, but they're destructive. And there's a reason you see little ones and not big ones. And it's so, I don't recommend them as a pet. Yeah, if, if you want, if you want something exotic, go something smaller. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, there he is. Right. So these guys. So tell me about these guys. These are Narcissus americanus, so they're the same species that lives in Ontario. Um, they're albinos. As far as I know, they're the only species of millipede that's albino. And what I mean by that is like, there's like, there's albino map turtles, there's albino red-eared sliders, there's all these albinos. Out of all the millipedes that are being kept in the world, these are the only ones that are, these are the only species that are albino. Um, so we're lucky that the only, because they're native, we can keep them legally. Okay. We're lucky that the only species that we're legally able to keep native that's native that also does well in captivity is albino. So I brought some in from Orrin McGonagall. I, I worked again, once again with Zach from uh, uh, Canada, Canada Colony, um, who I think I mentioned, he's the one who, who got the discoids. And yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, and there are other people working with the CFIA and 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 um, submitting paperwork. Um, but I think they're going to be the next big thing. Have I'm going to go. Right. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I've got babies. Um, uh, they're on the smaller side, so I think there's only maybe one or two mature females of the. I think I got 25 or 30 of them originally. Wow. Okay. I got to put them in a bigger enclosure to keep it more moist to get more babies. I'm going to go on a side tangent. So the CFIA. Yes. Um, you can get exemptions and you don't have to be, you don't have to be some big facility to get exemptions. Like I could get exemptions to keep, um, different 
roach species or whatever. The problem is I can't sell them. Re- sell them. I can't distribute them. I can't get them anywhere else. So if you go to like the science center or the ROM or even like birthday party things and they have hissing roaches, giant African snails, um, it's not because they're legal. It's because they, it's because they um, have paperwork to keep them. Yeah. They're, just not allowed, they're not even allowed to move them to other zoos. Like we at Reptilia wanted different things from another zoo. And uh, it was actually the science center. We wanted, uh, I think, giant African snails or something like that. And we, they, it's not legal for us to get them from them. We have to get the paperwork and then get them from some other source country. And then the source has to go, like they have to be certified in different ways. Um, so you can't, like, like there are people right now in Canada who legally keep beetles, legally keep snails, whatever, but they can't sell them. They can't, right. they can't breed them to sell them. Okay, makes sense. As a side. Yeah. yeah, but I think those millipedes are going to be big, and I think uh, in order to keep those millipedes well, you need flake soil, which is basically fermented. It's flour, yeast, and um, oh, wow. okay. like smoke pellets. You know, like um, like uh, like oak pellets you put in a smoker. Yeah, you get the ones that are not, like chemical free. They they just use heat to use the lignin in the wood to pelletize them. You uh, expand those out with water, add flour, add yeast mix it keep it sealed and then you can add different things for nutrition does it smell no it's it smells like um would you it smells like when you go into the woods and you lift up moss like earthy Earthy, it's just it's it's like it's 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 fermented wood but it doesn't smell like a fermented drink it smells like 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 rotting logs um and i've never smelled a rotting log that smells bad it just smells earthy Yeah. So it does. Um, sometimes, in the before it's ready, it will have a sour smell. Okay. That's the the, sh- the carbs getting turned into sugars in the flour, and then getting fermented by the yeast, because you just use nutritional yeast or table yeast. So there's definitely like a sourness while it's being made, but when you have the end product, it just it. Uh, I have a little bit here. This is actually from a, a, a friend of mine. He gave me some. He sold it at the last expo. Um, Ontario Invert Farm. Invert Farm, right? yeah, yeah. He's really good. He knows his stuff. He likes the weird stuff. I really go for stuff that is popular, but oddball. So, like, vinegaroons aren't popular, but I want to sell the most popular vinegaroon. Jumping spiders are getting popular, but I sell the most popular jumping spiders. Yeah. Him and a couple other guys, when they get the weird stuff, they get the really weird stuff. Um, yeah. So they, they like weird little beetles that, 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 might be interesting for this reason, but they're just a brown little beetle, yeah. Um, which is cool, but but I focus on on uh, on stuff that people really uh, like want as as pets. Where he's got a lot of uh, cool stuff, but he he does a lot of cool feeders. So he's been making his own flake soil. Um, he's got discoids. He's got um, American roaches. Whatever the, there's five or six. Yeah, he has the Surinams as well. I yeah, think. and then he, yeah. he does the um, stick bugs, yeah, which, uh, which are really cool. Mm-hmm. They, they need oak leaves, so it's a it's a hazard. But he keeps oak leaves over the winter in freezers and stuff. He he does cool stuff. Yeah. Um, native native moths and butterflies, and uh, so does Hidden Path. Max at Hidden Path does a lot of that kind of stuff too. They're uh, they're true bug lovers, not yeah. uh, commercial bug sellers like I am. You actually partner your booth, I guess, up um, with your girlfriend. Deatera, yeah. Deatera, okay. Yeah, yeah, so, so what do you, yeah, what does Deatera, what does Deatera do? 
Um, sells minerals, um, yeah. sells fossils. She likes fossils, but minerals are what sell. So we get those as well. She, she loves them too. Okay. Um, it's doing well for her. She's done a couple shows here. She's done six or seven shows total, but she's done two reptile shows. Um, I have some fossil bleed over of the inverts onto my table because I like trilobites a lot. They're basically yes. like ancient isopods and we get ones from Morocco directly from Morocco. And they're like, they're so well preserved that, um, why don't I, why don't I, why don't I get one? Yeah, they're, they're really cool. Um, I want to, the high end stuff. I think we'd have to do more mineral shows to, to sell a lot of it, but a lot of like the, like the, the fluorites and the, uh, amethyst and and stuff like that does really well at the shows and then the the, the less expensive fossils like we'll sell some hundred dollar trilobites we'll sell some forty dollar trilobites but we have five hundred seven hundred thousand dollar trilobites so we're, we're just working on how can we market these to people because, and those and that booth does well at the show as well yeah be, better than me some sometimes um but yeah combined combined we do great um yeah like people the 3d printer guy does great at the show Athers, yeah. um so we get stuff like this. So Morocco, um, just it's, it's actual, um, I don't know if I can get it to focus. I'm not a computer guy. Morocco, um, just where it is in the world, the kind of sandstone it had was very soft, silty sand. So when these trilobites, which are hard bodied died, I'll show you one more here. They, um, the sand and silt would land on them and then it would get hard packed and minerals once the body decayed minerals would replace the cavity so these are essentially just really really good plaster casts of what the animals look like they were just um this one's pretty wild like just that's so cool for it to come out that that good and they they yeah. the way they get them out of the rocks like these are repaired but that's normal for fossils they'll break rocks out with a big hammer and then when they see the parts of a, a fossil they'll glue the rock back together and then they'll chip away at it with like a like a dental tool and then they'll sandblast to get all the little details away and um saint petersburg russia is another place that has really good trilobites but morocco and saint petersburg russia are the two that just have the craziest fossils and they're inverts they're ancient inverts they're probably crustaceans based on our current thing. So they'd be somewhat, I'll try and show you the eye. If you make this focus, you'd be better at this. <laughs> Coincidentally, as we're speaking about Diatera, Diatera. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Let's see. I can get it to focus. But yeah, we've been getting more and more fossils um, and they do well. And then she's got all sorts of minerals. I feel like... Mm -hmm. Hard. If you sell plants at the show, if you sell, if you sell um, minerals, if you sell, there's a lot of things you can sell. Fall like skulls, like um, like hidden pathos. Path, yeah. People who like reptiles are gonna like all these kind of life adjacent Odd oddities. Yes. Yeah, yeah, oddities, life adjacent stuff. Yeah, yeah they're cool. And then uh, also this guy, you can kind of see what his mouth plate, which is a little mouth part, a rare part to get preserved, which is kind of cool. That is really cool. Right. Almost looks like a stingray from the bottom. Okay. Yeah, they're cool. They're really cool. Um, I want to get more into them. Um, she's she's doing her thing. It's going really well. Um, she doesn't have to feed her stock, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, 
but uh but yeah we're we're gonna i also do i'm raising up a bunch of astrophytum cactus which are just little button cacti that are really pretty so to have more right. if she does more shows with minerals i want to have something that i can go to those shows that's not tarantulas because tarantulas are good at the reptile show they're good nowhere else her yeah. minerals they're good at hippie type shows they're good at punk type shows they're good at all sorts of shows yeah she does really well at the reptile shows mineral shows so i think cacti cacti would be the same kind of thing they're they're just just planty enough and lifey enough that they would do well at a, at a reptile show but they would do well at all kinds of shows yeah and and they're not a hard plant or like you're not as one of the hardest plants to keep alive no, very easy very yeah. easy astrophytum i don't know if you've ever seen them they're really they're they so the, variable in their, the in their ones? patterns but they're all just a cactus that gets this big and this tall they're just like they're very collectible they're very like they're like isopods where you have just so many i have seen them um, yeah and so we've got we've got tons and tons of them growing up right now we grew a bunch from seed we've got some adults so they're they're one of my side projects that as it gets bigger i don't know if i'll make a new instagram for them or 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 what but i i just feel like they're yeah did you get the seeds off amazon or eBay? i got the seeds locally oh okay um i know you can get them so here's the thing i don't know i know you can get them from asia i don't know the status of cites these are cites cacti i don't know the status of cites seeds i don't know if if, if you need special paperwork or not it'll go through probably but i don't with with this business i don't want to deal with it so yeah. um i'd have to look into it more but i know that people bring them in all the time and sell them here so i just bought seats locally from people who, who bring them in but there's nobody who truly just focuses on them in ontario as far as i know uh if they do i'd love to find i'd love to find them and get more um but i think that they would do well at the show and then this upcoming show there's going to be a plant show yes be interesting to see who who comes i know a few people are going there's going to be a predator like a carnivorous plant booth which Thank will be you. really cool i'm very excited for that okay. yeah, yeah. yeah so um she does uh max does a show um called ghostwood market and she goes to the ghostwood market um alicia Terry just did a show that she hosted at a greenhouse a uh, friend of she, alan gardens in toronto she hosted it uh yeah the the carnivorous plant her name's plants a hut i should say that Okay. Uh, tamara i believe um but she's gonna be there uh, definitely film her booth because she's got really cool stuff yeah um so it'll be cool it'll be cool to see and i think like i said i think fish people could come and do stuff there i think that um certain maybe maybe better for the pet expo but i think fish plants uh amphibians reptiles inverts yeah um, i'd love to see fossils, more amphibians skulls preserved animals uh wood working stuff i think i think all that stuff can do well in a reptile expo setting yeah yeah and, and should be there and i think i think variety is is nice and um i like seeing when there's booths that are not just um ball pythons and yeah. Geckos. Well, <laughs> yeah 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 there's a place for them too but there's a hundred percent but not yeah. just not just not, not just 10 that. booths yeah yeah hundred yeah. percent okay yeah. We're getting up to an hour and 46 minutes. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm gonna ask you two more questions and we'll sure. wrap it up. Sure. First question is, but you kind of already answered this, but um, what what booths are you most excited to see for on like in this upcoming expo? Um, 
I always I always like seeing whenever Canada ant colonies there. I like seeing the the weird products because ants are just they're their own. I don't know. I don't think so. But whenever they are there, they have their own microcosm of of. Like so invert keepers the are different than reptile keepers and ant keepers are different than invert keepers. Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost like, like shrimp keepers. They're their own thing. They own part of their hobby. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So like they've got all these weird products. I like, I like weird product. I like weird animal products, like weird yeah. food, weird supplements, weird lights. Uh, anytime there's any stuff like that. I, I don't know why I like that stuff, but I, I think it's cool. Um, I always like seeing Ontario invert farm whenever they're doing, they always have something weird like one or two things weird. I, I like seeing Max's booth. Uh, I don't like wet specimens, but I like seeing them. <laughs> I like <laughs> that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's always cool to see their stuff. Cause he does all his stuff himself. Like they, uh, um, him and Aaron, Max and Aaron, yeah. they preserve it all themselves. They pin it all themselves. So that it's cool. cool that they do it themselves. Um, Tamara with plants, a hut, the carnivorous plants. That'll be cool. That's a hut. Is that what you called it? It's a hut. Yeah. Yeah um i can send you a link on instagram I'm like uh, yeah yeah please do i'm like taking notes down you said like i'm like okay so these are the booth, this is the booth yeah, i'm yeah. filming this <laughs> okay yeah yeah the book guys always need to see what books he's got yeah. um scott scotty allen i think scott yeah allen. i like seeing um desk pet store because she always has the cool isopods if there's one person in canada who has the cool isopods that i still want she's always got something Maybe. that i don't have and we trade back and forth all the time she's getting some um some isopods for me this show okay. um but she brings in all sorts of cool isopods and that's my that's my number one love like a, a lot of these inverts uh i import to sell uh some of them i breed but the isopods i only import for my own collection like i, I might have 10 tarantulas in stock at any time i have uh 75 ish isopod species like wow. I, I they're my they're my favorite invert to work with okay yeah. Um, if I could keep beetles, it would be beetles. So final question for you. And I, if, if you don't want to give any of this away, that's fine. But is there anything really cool that we should be expecting to see at the Westgate exotic booths at this upcoming expo? I'm out of everything. I can't import <laughs> unless it's warm. I don't have any cool stuff. So okay. if you see this and you want to get any of the stuff I'm talking about, I will not have it. Uh, I'm, out of, <laughs> I'm out of velvet spiders. I'm out of vinegaroons. I'm out of whip scorpions. I'm out of, I can't bring centipedes to that show anyway, just the rules. I'm out of jump. I'm out of all three jumping spider, four jumping spider species I offered. I'm out of. Shall we fix the question then? Yeah. Uh, when, when can we expect more things? From expect my Instagram. <laughs> I will be posting as stuff comes in April awesome. and May. Awesome. I will bring stuff in. I'm going to, I'm trying to talk to, I want to bring dry stock in. I don't know if I'll have it ready for this show. Uh, if I do, it won't be anything too exciting yet, but I want to bring in, like I said, stuff, common stuff, European invert keepers keep use that isn't found here. And then I want to bring in, um, niche stuff in America, like niche foods for isopods, um, uh, springtail clay, stuff like that, okay. that, that you can't really find in the Canadian market. Um, maybe flake soil. I might just have to make it myself. It's just, it's just a time, a time sink. Yeah. Please do bring in springtail calcium or bring to the soil or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. clay. Yeah, yeah. Clay, yeah. It's good. It's good. And I think I think you can raise the 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 red springtails and stuff on it. Okay. Um I might bring some stuff to show just just because I won't have a ton for sale. But you'll have yeah, ice like, pods? 
Yeah, I'll have some. I, I've I'm sold out a lot of them too. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so good year then. It's a good yeah. It's this has been my first real year treating it like a job and not just like a like a side hobby because before when I did reptiles I would just breed but when you import you have to take it somewhat seriously so this is the first year I've imported for sale yeah and I've taken it seriously I've I've, I've made sure everything's good I've done my best at responding to everyone and yeah. to GG and Instagram and Facebook and email and 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 my phone Absolutely. um at least every week I try to do every day but uh yeah it's 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 been a it's been a good first real year um and next year i know i know what sells really well and i know what i can bring in a lot of and and it'll do well in my room so um like i'd love to just bring tons of centipedes but they don't sell super well yeah um so now i know like listen i need i need 350 jumping spiders because that's the only thing that sells but i also want to keep all the other stuff like just because like yeah i could just do jumping spiders and do better yeah. But I want to bring in whip scorpions. I want to bring in vinegaroons. I want to bring in. I'm yeah. going to try and do emperors again. I can at yeah. least do pandas, viatoris, yeah. because at least they're they're a little more interesting. I'm going to. I've got a few things that are new that I want to try and bring in. Uh, diving bell spiders. Have you ever seen those? No. What are those? Jump spiders that live underwater in a bubble. Diving bell spiders. I might have a link on diving bell spiders. I have dinopus right now. That's so are, cool. Which are net casting spiders. So that, they what are they called? They, what? What are the net casting spiders called? D E I N O P I S. Look at their eyes. Their eyes are crazy. So here's a cool fact about these guys. They, they don't make a web. This is going to scare people, give people a, like a scare warning if you pull, pull up the picture of these guys. Okay. A lot of people get freaked out when I show Disclaimer them. I'm about to put a picture of. Okay, go. <laughs> so these guys, yeah. So these guys don't make a web that they live in. They make a web that they hold with their front legs and they carry it like a net and they face down towards the ground. And as a cricket or whatever else runs by, they and they grab it with their web. So if you go to images there, you probably see a picture of them holding their web. Uh, yeah, like that picture right there. See that? So they yeah. hold that web and they throw it down and it even stretches like a net and then they grab it. And that's how big they get. They get a good size. So I got a few of these from... Um, I have a couple suppliers that have them, but I got mine from shout out to uh, um, Mini Beast Canada. They just did their first show uh, yeah. last expo. Yeah, he's a, good, he's a nice guy. He he vended with me one expo as his first vending, and now he's he's importing more stuff. But he's been he's been into bugs longer than I have, um, and carnivorous plants, all sorts of stuff. Uh, Mini Beast Canada, he does some good stuff. I'm looking forward. Uh, to a lot of stuff. Uh, imports some stuff. Um, yeah. But anyway, I got them from him. I have other suppliers. Um, I'm hopefully getting a little bigger one so that I can actually sell them because they're delicate and small. So you were asking about cool invert facts. See those big front-facing eyes? Yes. Oh, Their yes. retinas okay, yeah. are so advanced um, that they can see like in complete darkness. But wow. because they're so advanced and like so intense, every morning when the sun comes up, they get destroyed by the sun and they get blinded and they repair their own retinas every night. To hunt. Wow. So their retinas get destroyed and refreshed every day for them to be able to have those binocular vision. Like spiders normally have eight little eyes that don't see very well, but you see those two giant eyes and they just they just hover like an inch above the ground or an inch above a leaf and they just wait for bugs to go by. Just... And so mine might have been doing good. They're teeny tiny, I'd show you, but they're just like little So specks. what happens in captivity when there's no when there's no light to destroy the eyes every morning? 
Well, I turn, I turn, I keep my my room lit twelve hours a day. Um, and is so, that enough to destroy the retina? Yeah, they're like they're not going to be out in the middle of the sun, right? Like they're they're going to be mostly like hidden under under the brush. That's crazy. Um, and I'm sure it only gets partially destroyed, or maybe even just gets digested each day. But but yeah, they 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 for them to go blind and then repair it every day is pretty pretty amazing. That is. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know of any other animal that does anything like that. No, that's very very yeah. cool. Awesome. Well, Connor, I could speak yeah. to you about this for another eight hours. <laughs> we can do another one sometime. When I when I bring an import, when I bring in an import, maybe we'll do one and I can show the kind of stuff I bring in because I'm I'm just like I, I'm just low on everything right now. I gotta find um, I gotta find somebody I trust to ship during winter, right? Because sense. um, the two importing services I use don't ship over winter, and then the people that I've that I've talked to didn't seem confident, especially from abroad. Um, and that makes sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, so we'll gotta, definitely, whenever you get an next import, let me know and we'll schedule it to be cool. like, yeah. as you're receiving the import, we'll, we'll hop on here yeah. and do something. Uh, but for real, you thank you very come, much you for coming come, on. Of course, you got to come tour the room at some point too. I would love to. I try and keep it uniform and tidy. But <laughs> if you're here, you can actually see everything and I can show show everything yeah no I, i'd love to plan a trip up one day and we'll uh you know tour the whole yeah, yeah. i know it's a bit of a drive from ottawa yeah. yeah yeah but but one of the expos maybe we can oh well, i guess around the expos wouldn't be great for you guys but i'll um, be asleep about an hour after the expo i'm asleep asleep yeah yeah, yeah. i stay up okay. super late getting everything ready mm -hmm. uh, alicia has the luxury of packing a few days before because it's nothing none of it's alive but i have right. to pack all the ice so i pack 200 isopod packs the night before wake up early Go to the expo, talking to people all day. I get home and I'm just I fall asleep. Done. No, hundred yeah. percent. Awesome. Okay. And on, on for on that, can you let everyone know where they can find you? Uh, Instagram is the best place to see what I'm working with. I post pictures there the most often. I just did a photo shoot with a bunch more of my isopods, so I'm going to post a bunch more isopods soon. Awesome. Uh, Westgate Exotics at Westgate Exotics. I'm also on Facebook. Um, I post on Kijiji um, sporadically now. Yeah. But but Instagram is the place to find me at Westgate Exotics. Awesome, Westgate Exotics, and all those links will be in the description. I'm Daffy's Reptiles on all social media platforms. Daffy's Roundtable for the podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.